0: We aren't doing anything revolutionary. I like to tell my team it's not about doing the, um, unusual. It's about doing the ordinary and executing on it every day. Because the way to build a consumer brand is a whole lot of little things put together. It's not, there's not this one, aha, we're suddenly going to pick up half a million subscribers because we did this. Right. It really, it really is blocking and tackling. Making sure what you put out on social media every day represents your brand, making sure that you're having conversations with your customers as they find you, making sure your um, your, your internet and your your website are as easy to interact with as possible. Um, and it makes it easy to collect people's information you know if they want their newsletter, make it easy for them to get it, to get it from you. Right. It really is about making it easy for the customer and making and, and finding out where they are and trying to get your name in front of them.
1: You're listening to episode 230 of the Biz Women Rock podcast. That's right, 230 episodes. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. This is the official podcast of the Biz Women Rock community. And the focus of this podcast is to be a platform for you to hear stories of amazing business women who have had tons of ups, tons of downs within their business journey and are here to share about them. Why? So that you can hear them and know that you're not alone in this whole game called business and possibly be able to take some things from their experiences and go and implement them into your own business. So welcome. If you want to be part of the Biz Women Rock community, a community of amazing and savvy businesswomen who are all over the world, just go opt in at bizwomenrock.com. Are you just starting your podcast or thinking about starting it? Uh, Or have you been podcasting for a long time Well, my guess is if you are in either one of those camps, then you would love to hang around with other really cool, awesome podcasters and love to get access to education that is both pertinent and actionable in your podcast to help you succeed. If that's the case, then you definitely don't want to miss PodFest coming up February 2016. That's going to be February 26th and 27th of 2016 go to podfest.us for more information. I have the amazing privilege of being able to speak next to incredible podcasting minds, such as Dave Jackson, who is like one of the godfathers of podcasting. He has the school of podcasting. Justin Crossley, who has the Brewing Network. Glenn the Geek, who has the Horse Radio Network, one of the largest podcast networks. And An amazing panel of women in podcasting, including Liz Covart of Ben Franklin's World, whose podcast is just about to surpass a half a million downloads, by the way. And Natalie Ekdahl of the Biz Chicks podcast. These are just a few of the speakers that we are going to have at PodFest 2016. So make sure to go and get your tickets ASAP, podfest.us. I would love to see you there. Look, even if you use this just as an excuse to come out to Tampa in February when it's gonna be beautiful and maybe come to see me, that would be awesome. All right, podfest.us, I'll see you there. So happy that you're here today to listen to this interview with Deborah Heiss. She's the co-founder of a company called Live Happy. It is an entire media company that consists of two major things right now. Number one, the actual like magazine physical magazine um and number 2 their online um media presence I'm going to call it you, they definitely have an online magazine but if you go to their website at livehappy.com You're going to see that they are more than just a magazine online. They really are an entire media company, content developers. Uh, They are providing information and resources to anyone who really believes in this live happy movement. Uh, Deborah, I'm going to call it a movement because that's what it is. You're going to hear why it is so uh, something so niche and so important. Um, And she actually comes from a history of... Uh, really being one of the founding developers of what we now know as Success Magazine alongside Darren Hardy. Uh, so the two of them were really at the beginnings of what we now know as Success Magazine. And she was really the implementer. So she was really kind of the inside person who took care of implementing all of the ideas and actually building it up from where it was at a late, major or low point back then. So she did that for a few years. That uh, gave her perfect opportunity to move into Live Happy. So Live Happy is just under two years old. And a couple of the major things that we are going to talk about today are um, audience building and what works for her to build an audience, what her focus is on that, how she makes sure that everything that she does throughout the day always comes back to making sure that it uh, it is generating audience and, and building a bigger audience. We talk about how she is producing traffic. How is she making sure that she gets traffic to her site? A couple of the major strategies that are working for her, and uh, you know, always some of my favorite stuff to talk about. She talks about what she does when things don't go according to plan. What she does when things kind of suck, and um, and how she gets through all that. And I love her answer to that. So, hope you really enjoy today's interview with Deborah Heiss. Deborah, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for
0: having me, Katie. I'm really excited
1: about it. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, live happy. Obviously, there's, um, you know, you can't help but smile when I'm looking at your website and when, uh, you know, I am looking through the, this business that you have built and, um, you know, what you guys are all about. I just think it's really fascinating. Uh, what I find most fascinating about what you're doing right now is the experience that you had prior that has really set you up perfectly for this. Can you talk a little bit about? what you were doing uh, with Success Magazine, which is a magazine that everyone knows. Talk a little bit about that, because that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, it actually starts before that. Um, I I have stumbled along my career, always taking the best job that uh, I saw, meaning the one that had the most opportunity and the most challenge, being a challenge-driven individual. And I suddenly found myself in the publishing world. And I'd, I'd done several smaller startups for... Uh, for a gentleman, and, and he said, hey, you know, I really, the success brand is bankrupt, and I really think that there's an opportunity to make that a really successful publication. The gentleman's name is Stuart Johnson. He still owns Success Today. And he said, what do you think about helping me get this off the ground and get it relaunched? And it was wonderful, because I'd spent time in the personal development world, heard about the speakers, spent time with entrepreneurs that were trying to grow their business, and I just thought, hey, this would be a great thing to take this iconic 100-year-old brand and relaunch it into something that was really useful uh, to people that could build an audience. And Darren Hardy, who is uh, the publisher of Success, and has mm-hmm. been there from from day one with me. He and I together uh, worked together to build um, to build an audience and to build a, a content and build. A, you'll really. Put, put out a product that we 're both very proud of, that was centered around helping people be better in the personal development space and better in business, better in home, better in life and It was a great experience building an editorial team, discovering how to build an audience It, it was phenomenal
1: How in the world did it go bankrupt in the first place like like what What was the personality of it at the time when you came on board? And I think we all know kind of what the focus is today, and you know what it stands for. So, you know, obviously, you were really, you were part and partial, like you were right in the thick of making all of that happen. But what did it look like before?
0: Well, what had happened was, um, oddly enough, it was the second time it had gone bankrupt, which was really funny to us, because when when, when when we bought the name, we just, when we bought Success, we literally just bought the name, didn't buy any of the other assets, just other than like, uh, access to old library catalog right. so it had been uh, there was an article in the New York Times saying who are these people from Texas you know the hotbed of publishing in the United <laughs> States <laughs> and, and what do they think they're doing launching relaunching this magazine that's sailed not once but twice wow so it, it, it was a really interesting question and what had happened was um, someone had purchased it and they, someone, the gentleman who had it in the 80s built it up to be a really really good brand And he took the opportunity and sold it to someone else who really didn't understand his readership and really didn't understand how to keep that brand alive. And so what had happened was he put the wrong kind of ads in there. It became a business opportunity magazine. It became a, hey, start a franchise tomorrow, as opposed Mm -hmm. to giving people the the tools that they really needed to build build their businesses or to start out as entrepreneurs or to be effective middle managers or micro-business owners. And he really ran it into the ground where he had very little audience, and, and, and the advertising dollars weren't there, and um, it, it kind of collapsed. Well, someone bought it after him and relaunched it um, for about four issues. And it was doing relatively decent, but starting a magazine is a huge financial investment. Yeah. And they really just didn't have that uh, circulation plan or that growth plan to get it to where it was going to be stable. And that is ultimately who uh, who we bought it from. So the state of it was it really has, was not on the national radar anymore. People kind of forgotten about it. But uh, purchased it, relaunched it, and it was a great run. We had a, I think it's still a great run. It's a great magazine. They're doing phenomenal. Yeah,
1: I mean. What, what you said something really interesting that I want to dig into a, a little bit, but you you know you mentioned the idea that starting a magazine is a huge financial endeavor, and obviously this is true for Success Magazine, and it's true for Live Happy, which is just shy of two years old. Um, talk about why that is. I think I know why, but you know why is that that you know you have to plan X amount of years before you get to profitability?
0: Well, in the publishing world. Um, The old, the old guard, you know, the old, the old, the old method was you have an audience and you sell advertising. Right. I mean, that's just it. Everything is paid for by selling advertising. Right. That really started to die about four or five years ago. The number of ad pages is four or five, I'm sorry, 10 years ago. The number of ad pages is really, really on the decline. It's um, now that the digital media is around, companies would rather invest in digital where they can see their results immediately. It costs a lot to print. It costs a lot to mail. It costs a lot to create quality content, and not just pick up content that's run somewhere else, but to really invest in building quality content. And you have to build your content and build your product, and then build your audience. Now, other you know, other companies, you know, Time Inc. and Condé Nast and Meredith, big publishers have the investment, and they know how to do this, and, it, and it's it's a system, and they can kind of launch with a fully developed product and a fully developed um, ad buy so that they're taking a huge, uh, put a lot more money in in a much shorter period of time. But as a small publisher, we kind of have to break it into steps. and We have to say, okay, we want to build a product that we're proud of, that we know people like, and we know people need, and people are looking for that's distinctive from something else they can buy. The right. you know, product distinction is huge in our space, and then we have to build the audience, and all of this with, is with the idea that you build the audience, build the product, you get a group of rampant followers, right. Right? and you know, I, don't, I don't mean that sound cult-like, but you get people no, who no just really no, crave that. and identify with the brand, and then you're able to monetize it through advertisers, through product sales, through engagement and other opportunities for your audience. Um, but it just, it's just—it's a long road, and it just costs a lot of money. Yeah.
1: Well, talk a little bit about why you made the shift from Success Magazine, because I mean, you—what you were doing there, you and Darren were really—you were relaunching the entire thing. A- answer this first: what was your What was your role there versus Darren's role?
0: Well, Darren is really good at um, strategic uh, conversations and partnership, and he's really good at identifying content providers and going out and finding, um, you know sales leaders to bring in, bringing in people that made our editorial interesting and made the conversation interesting. And he's a tremendous guy at distilling that information down and speaking and putting in programs and things like that, mm-hmm. um, that people can, uh, you know, identify with its success. And he, he's really, he's a tremendous guy as a face, a brand ambassador, growing the brand, talking to people, being out in social media. But he was doing that, someone was inside running the office, um, setting up the editorial, hiring the editorial team, um, cultivating, uh, cultivating those relationships, um, you know, getting IT working, getting the website built, all of that sort of thing. So it was kind of a divide and conquer where he was the, the face and the brand and the uh, relationship building side, and I was running the um, internal operations.
1: And the, all of those skill sets over all those years that you were there have really lent themselves to what you're doing now. So how did live happy come about?
0: Well, when we're at success, um, there's this the owner of success attended this um, every other convention, and this happened to be the second one. and it's called the International Positive Psychology Association um, uh, International convention. And I, in fact, I was just at it last uh, two weeks ago in Orlando, so I was at the, the fourth one. But he went to this, and he came back, and he's like, Deborah, this is like personal development, but it's about happiness. It's about making people happier. and It's not about, you know, personal development tends to be about business or growing your skills. Mm-hmm. Um, if you slice it away from self-help, weight loss, and stuff like that, the personal development work and success was really more about business. Yes, it was about whole life, but how to work-life balance. But he came back and he said, there's something here because this is science. These are academics who've been doing research for 20 years. This, this is real science that the world doesn't know about of things that you can do to actually make yourself and the world around you happier. And people don't know about this. So it's related to personal development, but it's different in that it's not just someone who's saying, hey, I did this and I, and it worked, but it's a study that said, hey, if you do these things, you will be happier, you will live longer, you will make more money, and it was a really fascinating um, prospect when he came back and he said, like, let's see if there's something here. And so we started doing some research into it. And um, that part where it's really expensive to run a magazine mm-hmm. and operate <laughs> a magazine, and well, he we had success. And, and, and we, 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 we uh, a third partner uh, or a second partner uh, came into the picture. And he's a gentleman who we eventually launched with Happy With because he became equally enamored. And his name is Jeff Olson. He's a... Author of a book called *The Slide Edge*, and he owns several other companies, but you know his personal legacy was always around personal development, and he fell in love with the concept of happiness too. With the uniqueness being that this is stuff that is scientifically based; right. it's real stuff, and it's not it's not just what did so and so do. It's what does the science say that if you do it, will make the biggest impact? Right. And he fell in love with it, and we started looking at it. and We decided, you know what? I think there's a huge hunger for this. Jeff thought that thought there was a huge hunger for this out there in the real world. Um, you know, the story that Jeff always tells that I, I adore is go up to any parent and say, okay, your child can be happy or your child can be rich. Pick one. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't like
1: picking be between those two things. That's not fair. I want both.
0: <laughs> no, but but you know, no one. Or he says he said successful, not rich. He says your child can be happy, or your child can be successful. Which one do you want? I don't think those and, two and, things
1: are mutually exclusive. What's the rest of the story?
0: <laughs> what is the rest of his statement here? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that they're mutually exclusive; it's just more how people identify. Uh, people identify. Okay. You know. You know. It's like well, success would be great, but I wouldn't want them to be successful at the expense of being happy. Gotcha. You don't want, you don't want your child to grow up to be that person who, yeah, they have everything on the planet that it looks like they should have to be happy, but they're really not. Right, right, right. It's it's really like without it's the without the happiness success is empty. Gotcha. Kind of piece.
1: Okay. All right. All so right, we, Jeff, we'll give you that one.
0: <laughs> well, well, we, we decided there's a huge potential audience for this yeah. because people are craving this information. Everybody wants to be happier. Who don't want to be happier? Um
1: So how did that, how did this like idea and interest and oh my gosh, people are, I think people really are going to be hungry for this. How did that turn into the business of Live Happy?
0: Well, the first thing was, um, what's going to be our anchor, right? Here's all this information out there. Here's all all this that people don't know about. How are we going to get it out to the uh, world? So, you know, the first question is, and I get this question all the time. Why are you starting a magazine in 2015? Aren't Mm -hmm. magazines done? Isn't paper done? (laughs)
1: Right. (laughs) I had that thought when I was researching you. I was like, oh, yeah, I thought at first you were uh, obviously, you know, the website and really like an online magazine, which kind of makes more sense in kind of the day and age. But then I was like, hey, they have hold on. They're they're in physical publication. Wow. Okay. let's see how this goes. So why, why did you decide to do that?
0: Well, it's a, it's a credit it's, for a couple reasons. Number one, the the death of the magazine is is greatly exaggerated. The reality is that niche publications, publications that serve audiences that can't get that information anywhere else, are thriving and growing. Mm. Um, you know, the, the general audience magazines, yes, they're dying because it's harder to identify what's unique about their audience. But if you truly have a niche publication, if you truly have, with differentiation, a lot of those publications are thriving. Not all of them, of course, because everybody runs businesses, good, bad, or indifferent. Some people run them well, some people don't. But niche publications are doing quite well. So take the idea that magazines are dead off the table, and then why do this as a magazine? And and the reality is um, we think that there's a huge happiness movement growing. We think that there's a large... There's a lot of entrants, there's a lot of small players, there's a lot of websites devoted to positive psychology, there's a lot of websites devoted to happiness right now. Um, we, want, we think that there's a huge marketplace out there that needs a market leader. And a physical magazine gives you a presence. It's kind of a real estate grab, right. um, for lack of a better way to put it. The physical magazine gives us a present where where we, I don't want to say the dominant player because, of course, we're in happiness. It's not about dominating. But we can become the go-to player for the happiness space. We can become the aggregator of all of the good things in the the happiness. We can become the place where people look once they become aware of this market that is really just now um, becoming visible to people. Uh, that There is something out there. you know, I was talking to someone earlier today about mindfulness and uh, the number of ads we've seen related to mindfulness now. And, you know, 15 years ago, that was kind of what we like to call ooga Right, you know, right, <laughs> People right. didn't really understand.
1: All the touchy-feely it's stuff, and now it's, it's very popular.
0: Right, and we felt like that a physical magazine made a statement, number one. Number two, it lends credibility. So when you print something on paper, um, anybody can throw up a website. Anybody can report a website in 15 minutes, they can write whatever they want. But when you commit something to the paper and you put it on a newsstand, you put it on a shelf, there's a true journalism, a true media feel to that that you don't get when you just build a website and you start putting information out there. So for us, the magazine, while right now, by the way, is not the way most people interact with us, but it is kind of our flagship. It's our standard bearer. Got it.
1: So let's talk a little bit about numbers um, just so we have like a current status so people can really understand where you play in this space right now? To how many subscribers do you have? How many people who actually subscribe to the magazine are there out there?
0: Our circulation is about four hundred thousand between uh, digital subscriptions and print subscriptions. Um, so it, it's not small. Uh, we're starting no sure imagination huge yet, but we, we're uh, we've got up four hundred thousand. We have about two hundred fifty thousand that are uh, email newsletter um, subscribers. So we're doing we're doing fairly well for uh, eighteen months old.
1: And I have to say, too, one of the things that struck me immediately was that, you know, this is not a small player of a publication. I mean, um, Alanis Morissette's on your on your cover for this month. So, you know, you have articles about Ariana Huffington. You have you have people writing very significant stuff, very significant people here. So it's got it's got the legs like it definitely has the credibility um, to really own this space. So I want to talk a little bit about what kind of things you're doing. Um, that are really great now before you mentioned this a little bit before about how you kind of built the product next phase is to really build the audience. And then the phase after that is really, you know, marry the two, you know, and now make sure that the audience knows that there are all these products there that are really, um, you know, beneficial for them. So you're in the building the audience phase. Talk a little bit about what different strategies you guys use to build your audience, to gain traffic, to make sure you're getting in front of more and more people. Mention a, a few of them that are working really well for you right now.
0: Well, we, our, our experience so far has been brand awareness is our number one issue. Um, our brand, I feel, is very strong. I think when people pick up Live Happy or they see Live Happy, they're intrigued by it. The idea of Live Happy, what is that? Whether they see it on a t-shirt or whether they see it on a magazine, Live Happy is a very strong brand, and it makes a statement by itself. Mm-hmm. So brand awareness is a, is, an, is a very key thing for us right now. And we have, uh, we're we investing a little bit in PR. Um, we're getting a lot of PR pickups, uh, which is wonderful. And- like,
1: for example, as uh, this morning you were on the Today Show, and I read somewhere yep. else that you were on the – Kathy Lee and Hoda show as well, or one of your editors was there as well. So you're definitely mm-hmm. you're, ma- you're definitely making efforts to get into and succeeding at getting into sort of major media.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've been on Good Morning America as well. So we've we've done some, and we had Good Morning America cast on the cover of one of our issues. So we've we're really trying to make sure that um, our PR efforts um, align with the brand and build brand awareness. We really want people to create some sort of attachment to our name or, or at least curiosity about our name. Um, news cam placement is another one that's really important for us, which is something that you know doesn't apply to a lot of businesses, but it certainly applies to the magazine business. Being on the um, front shelf of uh, uh, you know at Whole Foods or at Barnes & Noble, just that awareness when people see it. I think we have a beautiful product. I think our brand is attractive and getting people to pick it up. We, we do know that we get a surprising... In, in the newsstand world, there's blowing cards in the magazine, you know, the little things you throw away when you open up the magazine and they mm-hmm. fall on the floor. Yeah. We get a, we get a surprising number of those returned for subscriptions. Really? So we feel, yeah, we feel like if we get um, somebody to pick us up and look at us, we're, we're, we're halfway there. But we also have the digital world. where we're doing some content sharing. You know, we've had some articles on beliefnet.com, Um, We've run some positively present articles on our site. Just doing some content sharing with like-minded organizations. Okay. And where, where our audience lives, and they're getting clickbacks to our website, and then hopefully they sign up for our our our, our, our e-newsletter, and you know, as that goes. And then um, social media, of course, is a big big piece of our uh, business as well. Getting our social awareness out there it's we aren't doing anything revolutionary i like to tell my team it's not about doing the um unusual it's about doing the ordinary and executing on it every day because the way to build a consumer brand is a whole lot of little things put together it's not there's not this one aha we're suddenly going to pick up half a million subscribers because we did this right it really it really is blocking and tackling Making sure what you put out on social media every day represents your brand, making sure that you're having conversations with your customers as they find you, making sure your, um, your, your internet and your, your website are as easy to interact with as possible. Um, and it making it easy to collect people's information. You know if they want their newsletter, make it easy for them to get it, to get it from you. Right. It really is about making it easy for the customer and, making, and and finding out where they are and trying to get your name in front of them.
1: I'm very curious for anyone listening who is interested in in kind of becoming what I call a platform for lack of a better word like a like a an aggregator in and of themselves like they have um a mission they have a purpose they have a brand um that that people can really get behind that people can really identify with, much like live happy um how tell me a little bit about the logistics of the of the day to day like website happenings I get that you're doing. Um, the actual, you know, publication—the physical publication—but tell me about the website happenings. How often are you posting? What types of things are you posting? What needs to be up on your website on a regular basis uh, to make sure that there's engagement there?
0: Well, this is, yeah, you know, this is an ever-evolving science because yeah. <laughs> um, people change every day. I think, I think the main thing is for us. Is we post to answer your question. We, we put something up uh, six days a week um mm-hmm. at least one new thing five six days a week and we're a- adding three to five new pieces to our website per week that are brand new in addition to posting pieces of things we're in the magazine supplemental things are in the magazine things that are submitted by other people we have some bloggers that post and you know for us it's a matter of, of staff and hour limitation right. um you know we, we we're a small staff because we're a startup there's a um, including uh uh, let's say permanent freelancers are 16 of us, so you know we're, we're not a large staff for doing what we're doing, right. but it, it, it is about making sure that you have fresh content there. But more importantly, it's about making sure that you have content on your website that you're able to share on social media that will draw the reader in, right. Right. the traffic. It has to be that headline that says, oh, I've got to read that, without being clickbait. It cannot be a clickbait headline. It actually has to be, okay, there's something really there. because Otherwise, you're going to drive them off long term. It really has to be a, if you want six tips for dealing with your teenager, here's six tips for dealing with your, to, to, to have happier teenagers. Here's six tips to have happier teenagers. And when they click it, they're there and they're real. And it's not just, you know, a picture of, you know, uh, buying a car. And <laughs> Twelve yeah, ads right there. <laughs> and Twelve ads right there.
1: I hate. Um, and, I never. D- I've. That's a new term for me. Clickbait. I've. Uh, I can totally identify with that. I hate that. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then, of course, it's it's uh, serving them up um, additional content that's similar right. to what got them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we're working on our website. We're going through a. Uh, uh, I don't want to say a rebuild, but a, let's just say a uh, an enhancement <laughs> where we need to move. where uh, where we need to move where the uh, related articles are. You need to have, okay, once you get them there, what do you need them to do? We want them to to fall in love with your content, so you need to have content that leads them to, oh, I read that article. Oh, I want to read that article too. So getting your related content right. And once your related content is right, you also want to have them easily be able to engage with you in some other way where you end up with at least their email address. Right, right. Um, We have a whole lot of debates around here, which I, I found interesting, and I'm interested to know what everybody else things and encounters on this, um, we, we, moving from, the, between the print and digital teams, the print team wants your address, your name, your average income, your, you know, your, how many children you have at home, and all what of that, so they, to <laughs> yeah. so they can market to you. Which Yeah, so to can to you. The web team's like, I don't care, I just want your email address. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and it is an interesting dialogue to be in the room with both of them, because they're both right for their various uh, platforms. But, you know, getting that first interaction with your customer, but also recognizing that a lot of your customers online are never going to give you that, mm. but still continue to serve to them because you don't know who they're going to share that article with. That's very true. You don't you don't know who they're going to talk to about your brand, or if they see your brand that they're not going to buy the magazine on the newsstand, or decide they want a shirt or a hat that says "Live Happy" on it because they like it. So you know you have to treat even the people who are never going to give you their contact information like a customer by continually giving them. uh, giving them a product, which in our case is editorial and information, which will enhance their lives.
1: Um, What is your number one traffic generator strategy right now? Like I I got, I got the, um, or maybe I should ask the platform. That's really the question. Like, where are you? like on what platform are you actually generating the most traffic to your site? Is it Google ads? Is it, um, or, you know, like AdSense, is it, Facebook. um, it's all, it's on Facebook. Facebook. Gotcha. And you have, uh, I think what, like sev- over 72,000, uh, followers on your Facebook page, right? Yes. Gotcha. Yes. And
0: we've, and we've grown, um, think uh, I had the numbers in front of me earlier today. But we've grown from about 50,000, I think, in February to 70,000, which is not extraordinarily fast. Um, But like our email list, we've grown from 90,000 to 250,000 in uh, six months.
1: That's very good. That's very, very
0: good. Um, And and so when you ask what our our number one traffic generator is, it's our email newsletter. Um, The people have already said, hey, we want your content. It's number one. Facebook's number two. Mm.
1: Deborah, what what does your daily life look like and how do you keep yourself organized? You are, I mean, you have a co-founder in Live Happy, but you really, much like Success Magazine, you really are the one running the day-to-day. You're the one overseeing everything um, on a regular basis. So what does your day-to-day look like and how are you prioritizing things? What kind of strategies do you have to make sure you're doing the most important things first so that you're moving everything forward?
0: Well, the key... The key to getting it all done, um, and this is going to sound a bit cliche, but I genuinely, genuinely mean this, is I've got a tremendous team of direct reports that take care of what they need to take care of that are self-starter, entrepreneur personalities to begin with. Um, Hiring well is absolutely the number one thing you can do as a small business owner or even if you're just building a division within a business. If you don't hire the right people, you will end up doing way more jobs than you want to do. Mm. So... I organize my day by making sure I've given them the information that they need to get their jobs done. Like, I'll take my email inbox and I'll organize it by, by uh, who, who it's from, and I'll hit my five direct reports first every day. Hmm. Because if I've got them stalled, they're done. Um, you know, we're not going to get anything done. If they're sitting around waiting for feedback from me, we're, we're, we're in trouble. Then I try and get off email, and I don't spend the rest of the day on email. Um, after that, it depends on what the day is. I have certain days that I'm devoted to certain activities. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll spend one day where it's like, okay, today is the day that I'm going to work on digital media, digital content, and all the series of meetings on that. And I try and organize my meetings to where I'm not having to change topics 40 times in one day. Right, right. Um, and then, of course, it's the uh, – uh, I, I here at Live Happy, and I'm sure many of the people who listen to your uh, podcast, Katie, um, have this problem. We're cursed with opportunity. <laughs> there isn't there so isn't many a things day that, that are possible <laughs> yeah and there isn't a day that someone doesn't have a great idea that says hey you can you can you envision live happy this or live happy that and i'm like yes i can envision a live happy yogurt shop but we're <laughs> not going to do that today <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love it
0: <laughs> but it's true you know it, it's a, oh there's this opportunity there and it really is about keeping those four or five business drivers that you're focused on and uh, on the top of the list and saying, okay, is it driving one of those things? If it's not driving one of those things, it's still a great idea. It goes in my journal, but I'm not going to get to it this week, this month, or perhaps this year. I I jokingly say I know that I'm I'm employed because I have stuff in the bottom of my inbox that's probably been there for two years. (laughs) It'll still be there 10 years from now. I'm just not going to get to it. It's not that it's not important. It's just not as important as the other things on top of it. it. It's just the way it is. Um, but really, the, what's driving our business? So this year, this year my focus is audience development. Right. So if it isn't about revenue, which, of course, every business has to be, if it's about revenue, it kind of floats to the top right away, right? right? But after that, if it isn't about revenue, if it isn't about building our audience or drawing more people to us, it's not on the top of the list. Um, it, 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 it can't be because yeah, that's I, what we need to be focused on.
1: I love that you're giving voice to this because I think – You know, everyone can say, focus, focus, focus. You really need to, you know, always come down to what, you know, what, what your goals are for that quarter, for that year, whatever it is. But that's, it is so much harder to live that in practice than it is to know that as an idea. It is so much easier to get sidetracked and to go in all these different directions rather than stay disciplined and constantly ask yourself, okay, is this driving this goal, which is building audience this year. Like, is this driving this? And if it's not, it's, it's, it goes in my journal. It goes on the bottom of my email. So that is a very disciplined, um, you know, practice, I really believe. So I appreciate you giving voice to that because I think it's absolutely true.
0: And the hardest part of that is there are a lot of really good ideas. Yeah, And you, want, and you really want to go with them sometimes. You're like, wow, I see how that could be really, really huge. And I'm going to use an example from our business. Um, we have Live Happy Clothing. Um, and we love it, and we think that there's a potential that, you know, with the brand Live Happy, and if we find the right clothing designers, and we get the right look and the right feel, that there could be a serious retail brand of Live Happy clothing. I mean, there's similar, similar companies. Live Happy is clearly a lifestyle brand. It's a lifestyle name.
1: Right.
0: But that's next. It's not now. Right. Right. Uh, we will invest time and effort into that, but not now, because right now we've got we, to get to the point where... The, mag- the magazine and the media company and all of that is solid, which means building our audience and building our fan following. Now, here's the great news. Once once we have that built and then we come up to Live Happy Line, well, of course, the audience we spent time building now will be exposed to it and then we'll be able to right. you know, monetize. Right. But, but it is it is difficult for me to look at that and go, I can't spend time on that right now or much time on that right now because I know that long term, that's a huge um, potential revenue source for our company, but well, mm. we're just not there yet.
1: Deborah, what fascinates me about you is that you seem to be in businesses that really um, require a lot of grind. I mean, they're not. They're not businesses that are successful, that you're just kind of walking into and continuing the pattern. They're businesses that were either bankrupt or (laughs) didn't exist. And it has been your job on a day-to-day basis to raise them and to build them. And that is incredibly difficult work. So um, and and it's not always up. That graph is not always straight up. So uh, my question is, is what do you do in those times when the, you know, the, um, the growth curve is down when things really suck and it's not fun and you're in the grind and not, they're not going the way that you want to go. What do you do in those times?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question because there's the reality of I work for a company called Live Happy. And if people say, how was your day at work? And you say it sucks. It really is not.
1: <laughs> I really wanted to know that question,
0: too. So I'm glad you said that. <laughs> and it's, it's a really hard question to answer because. Yeah. You know, sometimes Life ain't always it happy at live happy. <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> yeah. not, and, and and it's not, and 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 you know, I I, I you am know, pretty candid about we're not in revenue. You know, we're in revenue, but we're not in profitability mode. Right, right. Um, you know, I what what I do is I always you oh know, for me it's a belief system. I mean, I I truly believe you know give voice to the passion. Right, I really am where I belong because when we came across Live Happy, what I discovered was I could finally marry my business skills which is what you said you know okay here this is let's start this up let's figure out how to do this it's a big puzzle piece i'm challenge motivated and how do we make this work with um content that really describes my personal belief system and how i want to live my life and how i feel like i do live my life and so suddenly i've got a marriage of my business skill set and my personal belief system so here It's a passion. And I get frustrated and I get down, but it's always like, okay, I believe in this so strongly. I know there are other people out there that believe in this and what I'm talking about here is the content, that believe in the content and believe that this is life-changing and even world-changing content that, okay, we're obviously not going at it right. Back up. What do we need to do differently? For me, it's never a, hey, we're failing. It's more of a, oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Um, One of the most important important um, and frustrating, I think, for people who've been around me, personality traits that I have is I'm going to take I, – I, I understand what Z is. I can see Z, and we may only be at point C, And but I'm going to start walking in the direction of Z, and I may change directions 400 times, but I'm not going to quit walking. Mm. Um, getting stalled and not making decisions and refusing to make decisions uh, really – is the one thing that frustrates me. I'd rather make a wrong decision today. Um, I may make a hundred decisions today. Hopefully, only a hundred decisions today. <laughs> a really good day. I've probably gotten twenty of them wrong. Because hmm. no one's perfect, right? So if I hit eighty percent, they got twenty wrong decisions. Hopefully, they aren't decisions that can't be remade tomorrow. But at least we made decisions and we move the business forward. Um, we're moving. And it's a lot easier to keep moving and to find that point than it is to plan it perfectly and expect it to go in a straight line because that isn't going to happen either. Mm. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. But. Uh,
1: perfectly. Very, very well done. So, man. Well, Deborah, I, I can't thank you enough for being here and for sharing the story. And, um, you know, I there's so. Knowing that this business is just getting its legs and knowing how much success you've had already and the direction in which you're going just gets me so excited because the brand sticks, the, you know, I, I, of course, merchandise is like obvious. Um, You know, what you're doing on your website is phenomenal. What you're doing within the, the, the physical publication is amazing. And, um, and I just, I really appreciate you being able to share that you guys are just figuring it out. And just like all of us, like we're just figuring it out as we go. (laughs) But you're doing that so passionately and with such love. And it's so obvious. So I can't wait to see where it continues to grow. So thank you so much for sharing your story.
0: Thank you, Katie. It's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed it.
1: My favorite part of that interview was when she really gave voice to uh, the fact that her, she is very disciplined in making sure that her day-to-day routine always comes back to what the major goals are and what the major focus is for the business at that time. And she said something about, you know, that there's always great ideas and maybe they can have live happy ice cream. <laughs> And I think that's so uh, every entrepreneur gets that. I don't care if you consider yourself the bright, shiny object entrepreneur or not, but because I don't consider myself that, but I definitely have all of that. Like I definitely have these ideas that are constantly coming in my mind about what about this and what about this and what about this, which is why it's so important to make sure you have a plan and a focus and that your daily activities are always coming back to that focus and any new idea that comes about is always getting, uh, sort of checks and balanced against what that major focus is, uh, and, and ending up having the discipline to follow along that. That's what I love the most. So, and that is the hardest. I really, I think that that's one of the hardest things to do, but I love that she gave voice to that. So hope you really enjoyed yourself today. Remember you can go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 230 to get the show notes directly for this interview, but go to bizwomenrock.com to see all the resources there available for you today. All right. I'll see you in the next interview.